are there some children who have ended up in your provision who have suffered from their time in mainstream? You're a teacher, but you're also a friend, role model, father figure, a counsellor, mentor, an educator, a leader. Yeah, we're, mm. we're, still, we're still using detentions and isolation, but they're proven not away. We're joined today by Jamie Gilbert, 1.1 million TikTok followers, ADHD and SEMH advocate. Some people know that they want to be a teacher all their life. Is that you or did, did teaching find you? Teaching definitely found me. I had no um, aims in life to, to be a teacher. It wasn't part of my career plan. Um, from a young age, I always wanted to go in the RAF. It was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a co-pilot. Um, was actually a weapons systems officer. It was, was the technical term for it. So yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I got quite, quite far in the, in the actual formal, formal process to be told that you're actually too young for that role. So I just got a letter through the post. Um, so I was just, I just at home, my mom like whirled upside down, don't know what to do, don't know what to do with my life. And she's a secondary, secondary school teacher in an SMH school. And um, she said, why don't you come, come into my school as a volunteer? Um, I was just like, oh, okay. So yeah, I went and in, went in, um, into that school. It was for children catered from three to 16 with social, emotional, mental health problems. Um, and I was actually, so I was 17 at the time as a volunteer. Um, and yeah, I was actually pretty much the same age as some of the case did four boys. Yeah. And I was, I had a bit massive baby face. I was getting mistaken for a student a lot of the time. <laughs> I went in with a tracksuit and I was, I was, quite thin and, I, and there was some of the year 11 lads were actually like probably bigger in stature and yeah. a bit more intimidating but I, I found I had this kind of ability to be able to like relate to these children from an early even from then an early age at 17 and um, head teachers like the way you're able to react like react to these children and manage them is is, 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 is a skill in in a sense um so I think, yeah I was volunteering for a week and then the head teacher gave us um, a, a TA job straight away until, so this was around March time, March or July. Um, he said, go away, get your degree and get your degree as a teacher and come back. I'll give you a teaching position. So that's pretty much exactly what happened. I went away to Leeds Metropolitan University for three years. I wanted to do MPE. So my degree was in PE. So I wanted to do, be a PE teacher in a sense because um, the, the school I was volunteering in, they didn't really have great PE kind of well, resources or staff. They just kind of had people like filling in and covering, not like a specific PE teacher. And there was elements of the PE, like the PE curriculum that like wasn't being covered, such as like dance and gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about the dance obviously a little bit later. Yeah. So yeah, I went away for, for three years, got my degree. Um, and then I went, through, I went through the skit process in terms of getting my actual teaching qualification. Because um, that's more classroom based, mm -hmm. like school sent that initial teacher training and opposed to like a PGCA because I want to be more classroom based. Um, so I went for a PE skit and I didn't get offered it. I was thinking, oh no, like, what am I going to do now? They're like, oh, don't worry, we want you to do primary. And I was just like, I, I can't teach like English and geography and history yeah. and, and, and everything else that comes with it. And like, well, I think it'd be really good to do primary and do everything. You can still do your PE, you can still specialise and do your PE, um, but you, I want you to do primary in a sense. So... Done a, done a primary skate at the school I volunteered in um, and then got off, at a, a, got off at a teaching position after that that was in 2014 and then in 2020 I got off at as, as leader as, so I did my middle leadership qualification and now I'm middle leader of that exact school that I volunteered in at 17 so it's quite a quite a cool story yeah incredible. and the head, the head teacher likes to um, remind everybody of it of how I kind of went from volunteer like all the way up yeah, like, I was thinking like that, especially for the, the children and the students that you interact with to kind of tell them the story. I think um, like maths maybe wasn't your, your best subject at school or something like that, but you Definitely can relate not. to them <laughs> and say, you know, th this was my journey. Like I wasn't perfect all the way through. There's a lot of things I see on kind of like parenting social media bits about like reinforcing with your children that I don't expect you to be perfect all the time. Absolutely. And you can draw on that with your children. Absolutely. Well, I actually failed, failed maths, um, maths GCSE. 
mate, I was sitting next to my best mate and we just messed around for two <laughs> yeah. years. Just messed around. Um, so I actually had to reset it when I went to sixth form. Um, but now I can teach maths to like, and I always get outside of results teaching maths. So uh, yeah, if you set your mind to something, you can definitely achieve it. For me, at that point, I did not set my mind to get anything out of maths, and that was a result of that. And then that had a consequence later down the line when I wanted to like, progress further. Now, each day you work in an SEMH setting, which we'll come on to shortly. What, what, do you, what does your normal day look like? It's, it's, it's very different. Um, so a lot of my deal will be kind of analysing things that have happened prior to school. Um, so I've got a lot of issues on Snapchat at the minute um, with, with, with issues, boys texting, oh, he called me this on Snapchat, he's called me this. So I'm a, we have a, um, a member of staff called a link worker who's designed to kind of plug the gap from home to school. So she's in constant communication with parents. So it would be like, she, she might get a text in the morning saying, oh, look, this lad's uh, had this this morning. He's, he's not himself. He hasn't had breakfast. And then that message will get passed on to me so I can look at that and tailor my practice straight away. So I'll be like, oh, I've seen you haven't had breakfast. Come on, mate, we'll get you some breakfast now. So that, that's the, the actual before school that is super important. Um, but the actual, the actual running of the day, it's, it's very structured and routine, which I find works best for children with ADHD. So I love how it's been identified like this is the thing we need to get right first we need to get them calm and regulated and allow them to access their learning rather than just assuming all the children come in happy to it absolutely so i'll i'll, I'll scout the room in the morning and i'll look for signs if the child's not like 100 percent themselves so i've had um i've had cases where i know a, a child is definitely suffering from tiredness and i've i've got a little kind of human dog bed at the back of my classroom um, and I've had children sleep in there. Really? So, yeah. So it, it's kind of going back to like the hazardous kind of need, needs first, like your, your food, your shelter and your, your, your safety before trying to do anything kind of academic and pushing that. So I've had, I've had children who have slept for like two, three hours and they've caught up on like the maths and English work like me. Out. But it's wow. just kind of addressing like the, the basic human needs first, which yeah, kind of doesn't, might not get taken into consideration as much in a class of 30. Yeah, we all need big dog beds in the yeah. back of our classrooms. <laughs> and then do you do, so structured, so is it the maths and English in the mornings? So yeah, so mon Monday to Thursday, um, first thing, the, the, the children will come into a morning task. It'll be, it'll be a different thing. It's, it could be handwriting because that stimulates a side of the ADHD brain, which is quite like repetitive and it's quite common. So even something like handwriting, you think, oh, that's, that's super boring. But for an ADHD child, that's actually that's actually soothing. Um, so we always come into a, to a morning task. So morning task, and then we'll have our reading lesson, lesson one, lesson two, English, lesson three, maths, then into dinner. So that happens Monday to Thursday. So there's that complete consistency, routines, boundaries, expe expectations, which is apparent from the throughout. So that's Monday to Thursday and Friday is where it gets a little bit different. With we'll have um, the SMH curriculum, which we'll come on to a little bit later. So your classroom, I've seen your classroom because I follow you on TikTok. It's a really interesting insight into, into what learning looks like at your school. It looks like a challenging place to work. And it seems, I bet we only see the positive side on TikTok. Is that yeah. correct? It, it can be, it can be. Um, it is, a, obviously these children have severe mental health issues and they are predominantly banned five behaviors. So behaviors clusters, of course, from like one, one to five, um, five being the worst. And our, our children often show that by that type of banned five behavior. So it's the type of extreme behavior that um, no other school can manage. So we get the children that are branded kind of un, unteachable. And hmm. um, so it's trying to get them, it, tr trying to kind of promote those ready to learn behaviors. Um, and what that kind of looks like. So it could, it could be different. It will obviously it'll be differentiated per child as well. And you have, so it's not a class of 30. No. It's, it's smaller numbers than that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a smaller class set. And on, on average, we have class sizes between six to eight students. Um, when you, and with always, you have like a, like a ratio within that. So I've, uh, I've got a class currently of, of seven students. Um, and there's me, me as a class teacher and my 
to you as well. Since you've been a leader at your school, have there been big changes or have there been improvements in the absolutely, statistics? Absolutely. So probably about four or five years ago, we were very firm but fair, quite an authoritarian approach to behaviour management, kind of like two choices, you're doing this or this is happening. Um, so you're doing this or there could be a consequence for it. We're kind of shifted now to this PACE approach. So the PACE approach was created by a guy called Dan Hughes, and it stands for playfulness, acceptance, curiosity, and empathy. And it's a different way of looking at mental health and what I call surface behavior. So you have surface behavior, that's what you see. That's, and then you have non-surface behavior. So if you imagine that like, obviously you probably seen like the tip of the iceberg. This is the behavior you see underneath is everything else. So pace kind of unpicks that a little bit more. So we could use things like humor. So it could be if, if a child's escalating a bit, we could do like a little joke just to turn around. But that's when understanding the child is, is so important because I could use humor for one boy with ADHD and humor might not work for an ASD child instance mm -hmm. it's, it's about knowing that individual and what strategy works best and have you seen with your new approach have you seen like number of restraints reduce absolutely um i've had one student who came to me and um, the year before with about 60 or 70 restraints wow. um in year five he came to me in year six and he had zero zero um, zero restraints so i actually actually got a phone call from his mother um, at the end of the school year saying you've changed this kid's life and I was just like wow I'm getting goosebumps now and that's when I have to say that again that was enough for me for my career basically to, to have that um, he, he got us like a little signed fit little printed um, poem that's in me in my little office I say office it's like a Harry Potter <laughs> teaching cupboard but it's it's got it's got office on the on the door um, so yeah that def definitely went from 60 70 restraints to zero and people ask what, what what did you do and i was just like i just built like a, a strong secure positive relationship over time um and this this lad was able to trust us and relax and he, he wasn't he didn't feel on edge the and the environment was secure and um, which in turn reduced his restraints he was more ready to learn he, he was constantly outside the classroom he was never in it mm -hmm. then year five and he was never out of it um, it might, so it could be, it could have just been like a, a, a maturity thing. It could have been just a change of environment. It could have been the impact I had. Um, so the, the, the thing is with actually, I'm teaching, you're a teacher, but you're also, you're, you're a friend, you're a role model, you're, you're a father figure, um, you're a counselor, you're a mentor, you're an educator, you're a leader. So it's, yeah, it's, my role is not just standing up in front of the classroom and saying today we're learning about what an adverb is it's way more than that i know as a teacher my mind never stops thinking about the children in my class and sometimes about the paperwork and the lessons and the planning and those types of things is it a different cognitive load for you because you're you're being the mentor and the care and the father figure as well do you never stop thinking about them yeah yeah so you'll you'll there'll be case studies historically that'll sit with you for life that doesn't that doesn't go away um so yeah and does your school um have a padded cell anymore is that, is that no a thing? so so when when I, when I was first there um there, there was a kind of there was a padded cell um which basically if you imagine like a soft play it was just like a like a, like a like you say like a padded area and you said when the children were in crisis um you should just be kind of guided in and then shut the door and let out some steam. Um, so, but it's, it's obviously completely evolved since then, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we don't, we don't use, don't use padded cells. I've created a sensory room now. Um, so that's, it, I didn't realize, but there's actually two, two types of sensory rooms. There's down regulation and up regulation. So up regulations, okay. if you go in to try and, and, you, and you're coming up and you're still kind of up a height. Um, so it'll be things like ball, like, like ball pits and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're going in and you're getting kind of hyper, but it's kind of releasing a little bit of energy. Down regulations where you, you would go in at, at, a, at a height of intensity, the height of crisis, and it'll bring you right down. So at the minute we've got like a media, like we've got like a projector playing, um, it'll be like projecting the oceans, then you've got like ocean sounds and you've got bubble tubes and it's, it's, very, it's very common. So I've created ours. For, for, for down regulation so the purpose of that is when when a child is, is feeling 
it's when the behavior, behavior start and escalate. Be like, oh, I just want to go in the sensory room for five, ten minutes just, just to chill out. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they'll, 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 go, they'll go in five, five, ten minutes, reset, get them back, back to kind of ready to learn mindset back in the classroom. Ten minutes missed. It's not a major, major thing. It saved what could have been um, a restraint that could have lasted two two, three times or sometimes it could be multiple. So it's just kind of like spotting the triggers before they happen, um, which it, it comes it comes with experience but obviously, and, and knowledge. It's amazing as well that you've created a culture where the children are happy to accept that as well. I know that children I've worked with before and children in my family, when you, they're maybe a little bit tired and you, somebody might say to them, oh, are you feeling a bit tired? No, no, I'm not tired. I can imagine, do you want to go to the sensory room? No, no, I don't yeah, want to go in there, yeah. but they're kind of accepting it's, that. It's, sometimes does, does that, that does happen. Oh, I, don't, I don't want to do that. And you sometimes have that kind of battle of, why do you do this? Why do you do this movement break? Why do I do some gardening outside? Um, and the, 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 the trick with our type of children is to get them to use their words. You, 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 that is the, the biggest challenge. So we've said, like, just, just talk, use your words. Um, like, I'm, I'm good, I'm not a mind reader. So mm-hmm. I like, I'll often say that, say that the boys as well, which they laugh about. So if there's, if there's something bothering you, um, come, 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 and, come and get it off your chest. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll always refer to us blokes have been terrible at this. Saying like us, us blokes will not use our words, will not speak out about mental mm-hmm. health. It's seen as a weakness. Cry and it's perceived as a weakness. I cry all the time. I'll, t- I'll tell my students that that's mm-hmm. nothing wrong. That's showing emotion, and that's and that's completely fine. The thing with, with ADHD, there's a there's a defective gene. I think it's a DRD2, which sounds like um, R2D2. So I was wrong, but that's how I remember it. And it's to do with the it's to do with the dopamine. Um, in, in the in the transmitter from from that being slightly slightly faulty in mm-hmm. a sense so there's there's a kind of a la- lack of a lack of dopamine dopamine and dopamine is is what controls your emotions and it, it's the ability to regulate your emotions so it's just trying to and that's obviously what medication can help with it helps to to control control those levels of dopamine so that you've got you've got you can be able to co-regulate your emotions and and manage manage these stress like these stressful situations and one of your ways of getting them back on board it seems like from uh, from tiktok again is going outside playing a bit of football yeah and that's developed further now yeah so decided to create a football team smh united so I had, I think it was probably about a year, year and a half ago, I had a class who were really gifted at football, probably about four or five who could, could play in a mainstream football team, but kind of wouldn't be able to cope in terms of like that emotional regulation, um, how to deal with frustration and resilience, how to deal with it if a player kind of kicks you off the ball or, you know, like pulls your shirt and that kind of physical contact. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, how, how do you deal with that? So I decided, you know what, I'm going to create my own, my own football team. Um, for the for these these type of children, I'm gonna and I'm I'm gonna consult the children, see what they think about it, and see if we can create a new project. So that 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 happened. So it's, the team's called SMH United, um, and I've been put, so I've done all my um, coaching qualifications. So yeah, I've done all that. Got like various various training just just to be qualified and to be able to. to to do that, um, like me, had like first aid and stuff, even just to facilitate training. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what it looks like at the minute is just weekly training, getting the children off the streets, um, getting and obviously enhancing their social skills. But we've got to the point now where we're starting to design kits, um, so that's really cool. So our kit's all orange, so the official colour of ADHD is orange because it, it shows like the brightness of the condition in terms of like energy and. Um, creativity and spon- like being spontaneous and things like that. So it's 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 all it's all orange. Um, and then this term coming up summer too, we'll have our first competitive little friendly game. So that's going to be interesting. Again, I love how you talk about this and some of the. I do a little bit of early years training, and, and there's part of our early years training where we we talk about sorting and classifying objects. 
And the example that I always use is, is in earliest classroom, you might have um, a fruit shop set up. And over the summer, you've set up where the oranges go, where the bananas go, where the grapefruit go. And then the children come in and they just move it all around and change it. And actually, if we involve the children in those decisions about where we're going to sort things, it sticks with them much longer. And they've yeah. been involved in those conversations. They've got ownership of it. The same in your water area, same in the sand area. Allowing the children to make those choices is a really positive thing. And everything you spoke about then was saying we've created a football team we've designed yeah. our kits yeah. we're des designing our crest like they're, they've got an active involvement in this and you consulted them whether it was something they wanted to do it wasn't yeah. just this is happening to you well that's it we've been talking about SEND and SEMH and ADHD so I think it's worth just defining those terms so we know what we're talking about so SEMH your school is an SEMH school yes so you can have a, a PRU which is a pupil referral unit or you can have a SEMH school which is um, a school for children with social emotional mental health difficulties um, so a, a PRU is relatively smaller so we've got and now as an SEMH school I think we've got about 150 children or more um, it, it originally started as a site for six children. Wow. Um, so and the was, age ranges? So the age ranges um, is from three-year-old all wow. the way up to 16. So you've got three-year-olds being excluded from mainstream um, and, and being with, coming to our school in a sense. So every child has to have an, an HCP to come, come to our school and talk about that later and mm -hmm. um, what an HCP is and advice and stuff on how to get one. So yeah, every child needs an HCP, but yeah, so yeah, SMH, SMH provision. And SMH is social, emotional, mental health. Yeah, so it's transitioned from being referred to as EBD, emotional behavioral difficulties, um, where we've kind of unpicked behaviors, got a clear link to mental health. So yeah. we've dropped the behavior from it altogether. So yeah, social, emotional, mental health. Whereas ADHD? ADHD, so Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. Um, it's a fascinating kind of description of it. I kind of disagree with the terminology of ADHD um, in terms of the deficit. I don't think that there is a deficit. I think, I think it can be, but it's, it's often interest-based. If there's a deficit, how do you have this amazing, wonderful ability to hyper-focus on something you're interested in? And the challenge for me is, how do I get my children to hyper-focus on I don't know, um, writing a paragraph because hmm. I've been able to do it. And it's, it's to do with making, making my content engaging, creative, um, and, and capturing, capturing that attention. If, if my children aren't interested in it, I'm going to get worse outcomes in, ter in terms of like progress. Mm -hmm. So is, is that really a deficit? If you, if, if you can hyper-focus and so hyper-focus is this deep, intense focus that you can literally concentrate for an extended amount of time i'm talking like you can 20 minutes half an hour an hour two hours um and everyone's hyper focus is different so i've i've, I've done work through our smh curriculum so on a friday we do a standalone lesson on smh um that were evidence in, in the books so it could be things like um resilience training identifying your anger triggers um, looking at fight or flight so why why do you have these responses to your adhd why do why do when you when you're faced with an intense situation and your brain's stressed, why do you why do you run away or why do you fight? Because you're one or the other, mm -hmm. and we're trying to un unpick that. So yeah, and you're teaching the children about these feelings and emotions and um, and the way their body's working, so they can understand Absolutely. it better. Absolutely, yeah. As a part of our SMH curriculum, we'll have. Um, throughout the term we'll look at different mental health conditions so we'll do work on ADHD um, autism Asperger's dyslexia and I uh, bet they're saying that's me like, I, I yeah, do that like, like some of them but then it's also really nice for them to relate to other children around the department a bit yeah. oh the, that's what that lad's got isn't it and that's that's why he's 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 doing this because of because of that I mean, his, his brain's wired a little bit differently I'm like yeah Exactly. So it's also get, having an understanding of, of us around them in the SMH environment. Mm. So in our environment, SMH, ADHD is predominantly the main mental health diagnosis, but obviously we have other things um, of Asperger's, 
ASD, dyslexia, ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder. I've had a child with that in the past. That's fascinating mm -hmm. condition to work with. You're trying to like program yourself as a teacher to kind of see the opposite, so which is really <laughs> hard to do. Um, so it could be a thing like, oh, there's no way you're going to get that job done. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're going to get that task done. Well, I'm going to prove myself wrong. I'm going to get it done yeah. type of thing. Um, but if you just said, oh, Right, pick up your pencil now. It's not gonna. It's not gonna pick up his pencil. So it's 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 really fascinating because you've got the other five lads who don't, five six lads who don't have that. So you're just trying to like accommodate everybody. So that was it. That was I learned a lot from that condition. Fascinating condition that one. I can see the the smile on your face it's, and the yeah, interest. Like I got a lot of that wrong. I got a lot of that wrong with the ODD one. <laughs> so yeah, I learned a lot from that. The um the hyper side of it and being able to focus on something like hyper focus yeah. is that's contradictory i think to most people's understanding of adhd Absolutely. they assume you're kind of flitting from one thing to another but yeah i'd never heard that ability to kind of have 30 minutes 60 minutes 120 yeah, minutes so just focusing on one thing when we, when we um, do our lessons on adhd and we'll pick the adhd brain a little bit a lot a lot of the time we'll look at well what could be your hyperfocus and it's it's normally like a similar thing so you'll be like oh football love football like hyperfocus on football for 90 minutes like oh brilliant gaming mm -hmm. is, is, a, is a very popular one so like hyperfocus gaming had one cause um so it's just trying to kind of understand what the hyperfocus is i had, I had a lad a couple of years ago who art was his hyperfocus mm -hmm. um and kind of ADHD perfectionism and art is something that kind of links as well. For, for some, some obviously styles of ADHD, there's obviously different types, but kind of un understanding that hyper focus, and it's you get that kind of obviously that deep, intense focus on something you're engaged in. So it's just trying to figure out well, what is it that I'm engaged mm -hmm. in? What is my hyper focus? And for me, if I can make my lessons as creative and engaging as I, as I can, you can kind of unlock hyperfocus. So Ofsted came in um, last week to one of my English lessons and we're finishing off our um, stories. We've been studying holes. So we're looking at our, our own kind of flashback stories. And they came in and all the children were, were hyperfocusing basically. And so they were like just ridiculously on task and the lesson ran over. And that's, that's, that's obviously fine in my, my type of environment where I'm going to be like, oh, well, my lesson's kind of ran over because mm -hmm. I'm teaching them throughout the day anyway. And that like, it'll all pan out. And if it, if it cuts into five minutes of maths, I can get that back another, another mm -hmm. time. For when, when it goes to secondary, it's a lot more difficult. So you don't have the opportunity because uh. it's kind of, it's a lot it's a lot more timed and so there's there's, a, there's like a bell and when that buzzer goes off you transition to the next room to the next room to the next room so uh, i think there'll be lots of teachers watching this and listening to this thinking i recognize that in some of the children in my class and i i taught mainstream yeah. um, and one of the schools i taught I had a resource provision attached and there were yeah. children with asd who would come into our lessons and they'd be on 80 percent timetables and that was absolutely fantastic for the other children in the class because they would spot these little boys and girls and notice that their brain works in a slightly different way. And I've noticed that this is a trigger for them. Oh, oh should we be, uh, should we try and be really calm and quiet when so-and-so comes in? Because I know that he or she doesn't enjoy that type of environment. And they became so empathetic and so caring. Yeah. And they wanted to learn more. And it, and it wasn't part of our curriculum to talk about mental health, yeah. but we've got a huge section on that later, haven't we, where yeah. we, we want it to be part of the curriculum and using that, that's, there's huge advantages that come with that. Absolutely, so ADHD, it was, it was only officially recognized by the NHS in 2000. Really, 2000? So that's, that's relatively new. So we're still learning, learning, learning about ADHD now. So if you look, look pre-2000, there's a lot of people like my age in their 30s have been diagnosed late. Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're, we're understanding well, what actually that, that could be me or this applies to me. So I've been involved in referring several, well, hundred, hundreds of children in my teaching career. So I'm involved in that progress, that process where we'll, look, we'll have, a, have a referral and I'm, I'm looking at all, the, all these traits and thinking, does, does he have this? Does he have this? Does he have this? And I'm, look, I'm looking at this thinking... I'm, hit, I'm hitting 90, 95% <laughs> of this criteria. And the, the more I'm working with ADHD, this amazing condition on a daily basis, the more I'm realizing that 
I have massive traits of this myself yeah. as an adult. Um, so I am currently currently um, awaiting an ADHD adult um, diagnosis. Wow. Um, myself. So my aim would be to kind of use 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 this diagnosis if I get it, and and kind of inspire people um, and use ADHD as a positive thing. There's so much negative stigma attached to mm -hmm. ADHD. Oh, it's it's bad parenting. Oh, it's 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 just a lazy person. Well, it's not. It, it's it's a, it's a neurological condition. It affects your brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain's wired differently. And you, uh, so when you get comments of like, oh, it's just, just bad parenting or just mm -hmm. just bad behavior or just a no, naughty child. It's not. It's, it's neurological. You can't argue with brain science. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. when the, and obviously the NHS has officially recognized this in 2000. We're still kind of learning about this medically yeah. as, as well. So obviously there's a, there's a dopamine, we've been exploring dopamine and the effects that had that and how that links to ADHD. And there's, we're still, I don't really know like what the root causes are. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's links to the kind of a lack of oxygen at birth and that can put some stress on the brain. It could be like that or it's um, through like trauma or environmental from a very early age, like zero or three. But we're still, we're still kind of learning about this. I can see how passionate you are and how much <laughs> you love your job. And, it, and it's really nice meeting teachers because all the teachers I meet absolutely love their job and love what they do. And then it seems to me that you love like the day-to-day -day nine till three teaching, but then also all of the investigative learning that you're doing and finding out about your subjects and about your children and about yourself, like yeah. it, it seems as well. What, what are your favorite bits of teaching? Um, is that a hard question that's a, that's a that's a great question that's a great question i think that the, the light bulb moment is is, is still got to be up there um especially 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 with, with an adhd child who's just about to give up hmm. so when they're when, when the, on the cusp of giving up and and the battle through and then they, and they get a concept at the end and then they give me a fist pump and said and then they're just like that kind of relief because you know they're trying to get there but they, they, they kind of have, the, the brain's kind of stopping them a little bit mm -hmm. um especially in maths where it's like right or wrong um and it's not in english where you can be a bit more creative so yeah when when, it, when a child's just about to give up i like being able to to scoop in and be like right how am i going to get this this kid or a classic one would be like Oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this, Mr. G. I'll be like, right here we go. <laughs> so I'll be like, yeah. So I'll be like, right. What can what, what can I do? Can I use distraction. Can I use humour. How am I going to get this this lad back on task? Um, I, I like that part of the job and being 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 faced with that that kind of kind of adverse challenge. You said a couple of times, I need my lessons to be really engaging and really exciting. Yeah. How do you make your lessons engaging? You just obviously, I'm, I'm just picking things from from the national curriculum and just trying to trying to adapt adapt it in in a positive way. So, if I like poetry, for example, I'll often rap rap to the kids yeah. just to get them going, um, and that's not actually in the curriculum rapping. <laughs> so, it's, but, be, but there's there's massive links from poetry to rap. It's all yeah. to do with rhyme and so. Yeah, it's 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 about taking elements of the national curriculum, and you can be creative with it. And you just you just gotta you just gotta think outside the box and mm -hmm. think, or it could be something as simple as if if I'm teaching I don't know four digit edition, and and I'm looking at regrouping, and the kids aren't getting it, I might just get them out of the seats and just get them to do like a mm -hmm. little like a five like a five ten minute movement break, and just just to just to reset them and then come back to it. Um, so it, it's it's just trying to incorporate all these clever little things to try and accommodate the ADHD brain in mm. a sense. Do you find your teaching strategies have changed year on year dependent on the children that, that are in your class? Are some children more, like you said, you had a really talented football group, so that might be linking into it. And But then the next year you try the football thing and it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you normally have like a kind of common interest in the class and you can kind of go with that. Football's normally there historically, it normally comes up. Um, but I've obviously taught told girls in the past who have not been interested in football mm -hmm. whatsoever so one for one of the girls I was just, she was struggling a little bit with with her choices I said you know what if you have a really positive week you can paint me nails because I know you're desperate to do that <laughs> and she was like really really I was like yeah yeah you can do it obviously she had an amazing week didn't she mm -hmm. so I was like paint, painting my nails love that so just be just be kind of just being like as relatable and I've, I've noticed if if you have a kind of an incentive to work towards so we will have um 
kind of like a weekly reward trip at the end. Mm-hmm. So if you have something to work towards, your type of mindset can, can change more positively towards that. And are they earning time on that? Or is it you'll get this trip and if you're not well behaved, then you lose it? So we have we have internal internal rewards and like external rewards. Mm-hmm. So we we do it on a point system. So every lesson you you get a point score. It's bro- broken down. So you have you have ten points. You have five points for behaviour, and five points for like work related tasks. And then they're broken down. So you have like two points for your behaviour target. Like one point for appropriate language. One point for being ready to learn. And one point um, for like respect and resources and things like that. So lots of opportunity for success. Lots, lots of opportunities to yeah, earn so, these points. So, and if you you make a mistake somewhere, it's not all gone. No. So you, you're aiming you're aiming for pretty much seven points per lesson. Um, and they get they get added up in it, and we've got like a spreadsheet. They get added up to the to the end of the week, and the top two three points from each class will go on the external trip. So the people are obviously always fighting for that kind of mm. the eight nine ten points to try and go to that trip, but those who I've still still made rewards, um, and we get like sevens and eight, eight, eight points. I'll do like internal rewards. Where I'll do like pool and like um, mm-hmm. football, um, gaming. We've got like a, a really cool um, steering wheel with the pedals that's linked up to like linked up to a car game at the minute, which they all love. They do the gears, and things like that. But yeah, the, the, there's there's t- times where children won't make rewards. So there might be a bit where we'll have to do some catch-up work. So it'll be mm-hmm. if, they've, if they've missed anything, say, oh, Miss I'm not, not doing this, this maths. Maths a day, I said, that, that's fine, mate. If you don't want to do it a day, but we'll just go after, come back on it Friday. You, you, know, mm-hmm. you, know, you know the score. We've been doing this a long time. And so it'll come, it'll come to the Friday and we'll, I'll, I'll sit through them um, with them and we'll catch up on like, our maths or whatever we've missed. And then they'll access the internal rewards at a later time. I, I like that, that they can have a crisis and they're not losing all their points. They're just, they've got that specific area and they know they're always working towards something. And there's a, this external reward, which sounds like fantastic trips and things. And then there's also the, the internal reward as well. So they know they're gonna be rewarded for their effort. It's yeah. not, they're never gonna to get to a position where they try really hard for four days. They have a, you know, a rubbish Friday morning and they lose everything. Yeah. They know that they, they've earned that. Of course, we, we do a lot of like fresh start approach as well. Mm-hmm. So if, if if a child has had a crisis or an incident, um, as soon as they come back in the class, they're like, "Ah, oh, you made right," and with a fist pump, and it, it's resetting straight away. Mm-hmm. As, as a lot, especially in the past, I've I've seen professionals kind of hold a grudge against mm-hmm. that child. Mm-hmm. You, you got you got to think that's just surface behaviour. And when I was referring to that, what, what's all the non-surface behaviour? What's actually going on? There could be something something off at home that you don't even know about mm-hmm. and for this this child just to even be present today is a massive achievement mm. he could have easily been not not being at school altogether or he's 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 got out of bed and he, he's he's being able to get here which and is, is a is success in itself yeah, yeah. So, so we use we use fresh start all all the time and we do um repair and reflect exercises so after 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 an incident that relationship will be that, that relationship you have with a student will, will be tested it won't be broken not if you put loads of years into it mm-hmm. but it will be like they will kind of be remembered so we'll, we'll do activities to kind of repair that mm-hmm. straight away which is which is really important because if you what don't what type of thing would you do to repair um it could be things like um, it could be things like playing playing a game with the child, like having a game on FIFA, or having like some one-on-one, um, one-on-one like football time, or mm-hmm. something a little bit more personal. So it's just kind of you, you and you and the you and the student. So it could be it's only a bit of a game, and it could be a bit of colouring. And are the other children with another adult at this point? Yeah, and you just kind yeah, of wish yeah. them off and just have that. Yeah, five or, or if because I'm the, I'm the one who's in the classroom, so I'm all classroom based. Like my TA can go out and do that as well. Mm-hmm. So that my, I've got a fantastic, fantastic TA who's got an amazing relationship with his children, very naturally nurturing. So it'd be like, yeah. So if an incident happens, how how are we going to repair it? Mm-hmm. Could could be it could be as simple as revisiting that, like an hour later, ten minutes later, when that child's ready, and just having a chat about it, and and just explaining why that's had, had, had why we've had to have um, hands on in a sense. And it's important to do it a short time later, so you're not trying to resolve that, like at the point of crisis or soon after. Yeah. Everybody's calmed down, everyone's regulated, yeah. and then you revisit. Well, you, you go you, you go up your, your anger mountain and you, you come back down it. So you need to make sure if you're revisiting it, you're not at the anger mountain. Hmm. You'll be able to you'll be able to tell the signs of that um, 
just by like body language by by facial expression and mm-hmm. um, by general presentation mm. that comes with experience but yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't repair the relationship because at that point the brain isn't that adhd brain is not listening to you when they're at that mm-hmm. point of crisis mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter what you say you're just going to get you're just going to get a kind of verbal abuse back because yeah. that's that's where we're at now so it's just a point of how can I bring this 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 brain back down? And physical intervention is is one strategy that we use. It's five percent of our practice, so which we use very rarely. Mm-hmm. So we use ninety five percent non de escalation strategies, um, such as humor, movement breaks, timeout, change of face, change of adult. That's so important. I love you, change of face because you see, don't you, that both people, the child and the adult, neither of them are regulated. Absolutely, and you just need that change of face. But that, that, and that's that's the difficult thing in mainstream. If you're a class teacher and you've got thirty children, and you've and you've got got to a point where a child's escalating, and you've got nobody who can do change of face and step in, that that's that's got to present some mm. some issues. And you only need five minutes. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be a huge amount. It's, it's definitely something. We're, yeah, we're, we we're, we're really lucky in terms. Of I've got a phenomenal staff team, and we use change of face will often swap out each other and it got to a point where in the past when you're kind of pursuing an incident and you want to see like see something through that staff were kind of reluctant to mm-hmm. to, to be like well no I'm, I'm dealing with this but now we're in a, if, if we're in a position collectively to be like yeah i'm stepping away yeah. and the, the, the kind of pride element's gone yes yeah. you can kind of get like involved in the like ego side of it well mm. i'm dealing with this incident i'm going to solve it but actually you're not actually the best person at the time to solve it so if you stepping away and someone else coming in it'd be like it could be solved a lot quicker and we're, we're really good as a team at recognizing that now there must have been times where you've got it a little bit wrong or a child's done something unexpected has there been times like that absolutely <laughs> so my, my first day um in in an smh environment i was a volunteer at 17 um and I was I was on yard duty, um, so this is at, this is at dinner time, and we had these crazy like these go karts, these drifting like green machine things where the, the kids can like pull a lever and they do like this this drift and they're loving it. So I'm just I'm just kind of supervising a few lads using them. We've all got the helmets on, and I noticed this one kid's like really going for it, like he's pedaling like super quick. I think that's going to be a good drift. And he, he drifts in the, in the the car, kind of does like a little kind of flip, flip over. And um, I see like the go kart flips over. He's he's kind of like face planted, so like, he's 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 pretty much on like yeah, just like face face planted in front of him. <laughs> so I, I go running over running over as a volunteer. Obviously, concerned, duty of care. Like I've got this duty of care. I need to make sure this child's all right. I was like, you're you right, mate, you're right. So he, as he steps up, he turns around and punches me straight in the nose. Really? And I'm just, so that was his, he must have felt, I think he felt embarrassed in front of the, like there was three or four other lads there that I've went over to like, try and help. He's punched me in the face. And I've just been like, this is amazing. This is, <laughs> this is the right setting for me. So a lot of people would be like, God, like this is what's going on here. And I was just like, I was so shocked by it. But I was like, kind of impressed at the same time. So, yeah, so you I, ran over, best intentions, wanted to help, wanted to help him up. And usually like the children are a bit upset. Of course. And this boy just turned well, around and punched you in the this, nose. This is, bear in mind, this is my first, first day of kind of education. Yeah. I'm expecting they might want to like a little cuddle or to make sure yeah. he's all right, a bit of faith. Might take him and see a first theater. No, he just turns around and, and, and it's a, it was a cracking punch <laughs> straight in the nose. And I, was, and I was just like, wow. So I ended up, I wasn't trained and um, it was team teach at the time, which was this, the safe physical intervention we used. I wasn't trained in that. So he's ended up guided in by another member. <laughs> Member of staff um, for assaulting an adult, which was me at the time, <laughs> fairly an adult at seventeen. But yeah, at that, at that point, I was just like, I, I need it. this is what I, I want to make a difference with these type of children. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind I was just kind of fell in love with the environment in a weird way. So that kind of punch, kind of just like whoa, it kind of gave us my career career path <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> and then. Like not going into specifics, but I imagine you've been uh, potentially been in like threatening environments or confrontations. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. constantly. It's it's got it's got to a point now. I'm really lucky in my, in my practice that the, the environment is very safe and secure. I haven't had any any fights in my classroom for two years. A lot of stuff happens like in the yard, you know, you know, like the more unstructured times, mm-hmm. and that's just due to the kind of environment. 
um, that I've created and just building that time with like the positive relationships. So the, the, I've, I've got to a point where the, these, these children kind of idolizes in a way. I know it mm-hmm. sounds, mm-hmm. sounds a bit cringy, but they do, they'll do anything, anything for me and I'll do anything in return for them. So I think I'll, I'll take my time to, to, do, to um, do the SMH United and stuff. And the kids are the kids are really, really grateful. Um, which mm-hmm. is one of probably one of one of my triggers is ungratefulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but these ADHD children that come from obviously deprived backgrounds, and you you would probably consider them not to be grateful. Sometimes um, they're quite abrupt, and some sometimes ADHD can come off as rude. But with these these children are using the man as oh, Mister Jake, can I have a slice of toast? Like yeah, of course you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just trying to get them. Just trying to improve that manner so something can make like a positive contribution in society. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is that is the aim of our school ultimately, is to reform these children and kind of retrain them, get them to understand understand their conditions, understand their own triggers, and then how can you actually make a positive contribution in society? It's so what is what is that what is that child communicating through that behaviour? So a, a child who's been irrational and lashing out. Is, is trying to communicate something there. If they're communicating, they might not feel safe. Something something could be under, underlying, could be happening. It could be going through some some trauma that we don't even know about. So it's, it's to do with kind of spotting all those signs um, and kind of taking them into consideration. How does, how does 8,000 followers and your friends sharing it around because you shaved your head turn into a million followers? Um, two, two, three years ago, following... Two, two boys who came in because they, they, they bring their phones in from the taxi but it goes into my, my top drawer at the end of the day because I can't have the phones until year seven as, as a year six. So two year six boys came in with, with their phones from the taxi and said, Mr. G, Mr. G, have you seen this TikTok? So I was like, what, what's TikTok? I had no idea what it was. <laughs> and it was basically, it was just, it was just like a kind of a, a dance. It was a trend and dance on TikTok at the time. And I was just like, all right, okay. Um, and I was doing it in computing, I was doing e-safety. So we're looking at how do you like respond to um, like negative comments and stuff online. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if I can use TikTok to cover all the e-safety points and get across what I'm doing. Like kind of explore like how, how do you go if you if how how do you go viral or how do you respond to a negative comment? So can I do that? But then can I also focus it on the SMH side to build relationships with these children that nobody can build relationships with? In the in the in North Tyneside, basically. Um, so can I use it to develop those relationships, have have some fun, and um, and can I educate the children on how to deal with negativity? Because you're gonna you're gonna come across negativity online. That's at some point. It's just it's it's just a part of it. And was this the rap? Because what you, the first video on your yes, yeah, so the, is the, the, the first video was was a was a was a rap in a music lesson. So and this is you rapping. This is me. This is me. Me rapping. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually actually called MCing, which is like a like a northeast thing. But it's like yeah, it's like a fast like a fast rap, in a sense. Um, so that that was that was that was the first the first one, and then the, the second one was um, was a video with, with three three students. Um, but the, the 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 process of making making the TikTok was amazing. We got so much out of it, which you don't see behind the scenes, like us mm. all giggling and laughing. And it's obviously done at times where it's like in in, in between. It's normally at, at the end of the week. So I had to to actually start the project. There was obviously various avenues of consent mm-hmm. that I had to get. So first of all, I had to get parental consent. Um, I had to get head teacher approval, GDPR approval, and then the the local authority had to approve it, which is the LADO. Um, so I, yeah, I had to get like various, various avenues of consent. Because and you were filming it in school and there were students cause, Yeah, because yeah. the, there were children who aren't, aren't 13. And mm-hmm. So there's, as me as the owner of the account, has to be over 13. So there's, there's children on TikTok who, there's obviously there's babies on there, but mm-hmm. the actual owner of the content is, is an adult, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So I had obviously to, to feature these children, I had to explain like why I wanted to do it. Um, and yeah, I had to kind of write to the, the head teacher, the school governors, not really thinking oh, they're, they're going to kind of go for it. They might, they might, they might not. The game back and think it's an amazing idea. We love what you're doing. Um, and based, the, the way the head teacher put it, you kind of 
raising awareness of SMH and you put in the school in a positive light. And I was just like, oh, well, that's amazing. Um, and even if nothing comes from it, even if, it not, if, e even if it, nothing comes of it, the process of us making a, a daft dance together, I still strengthening that, those relationships, which is obviously really difficult with SMH children, is to, 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 is, is to get that. And we're doing it for a fun, a digital way. We're living in a digital age. Mm. So if, if me as a creator, I can have Mr. G's create your TikTok account, you're going to have 1.1 million followers and 14 million likes. I'll be like, no. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of achieved its goal. So the, the next steps is for Mr. G persona to, to hit a more of a, a, a bigger audience. So my, my goal is, can we kind of replicate the SMH curriculum that I've incorporated as, as a leader in our, in our primary department? Can that be incorporated throughout mainstreams? So I'm going to try and try and push that. I'm, I'm looking so at having time on the curriculum to look at SEMH yeah. and ADHD and ASD. Yeah, so, so all children will learn about it like your children do. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want like a subject, like a standalone subject, like a one-off lesson a week. So yeah. we, we, we do it for like four, 40 minutes, 40 minutes to an hour, one SMH lesson a week, um, which is broken down into a variety of different things. Like I've currently rolled out, I've helped, I've helped create in, in, our, in our provision. So it'll be a case of, can, can this be rolled out? There's, there's, we're, not, we're still not educating children around mental health. We all know it's there. It's very awesome since lockdown, our children have suffered in mental health, mm -hmm. yet we're not actually educating them around what mental health is. Um, like our children didn't even know what an S or SMH stood for, so that was my first thing. Like, do, do you know? Do you know? Do you know what SMH stands for? And and do you, do you know what ADHD stands for? Do you know this about ADHD? Do you know you can hyperfocus and just trying to educate around that? Because if you if you got ADHD, it's it's your brain. You're you're stuck with it. You can either mm -hmm. think, oh, I'm I've ADHD, I'm doomed, or you think, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna utilize ADHD. I'm going to educate myself around my triggers. I'm going to understand my brain better. And I'm going to be able, as a result, I'm going to be able to cope better in life. And now you're influencing parents, but also BBC, DFE. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the, the DFE um, got, in, got in touch through, through TikTok, love, love the account. Um, and when Off, Off, Offsted came in, loved, loved, loved it as well. Um, so I'm being able to, to kind of spread and promote things I do, my teaching journey, what SMH is, um, to, to a wide, wider audience. Um, it's, obviously, it's obviously more nationally. So yeah, it's been really cool. And then with the BBC, I know you're really passionate about kind of the, the offering that they give and, the, and their bite-size stuff and wanting to include like SMH on there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I was looking at the, the BBC Bite Size and amazing, amazing resources and they do lots of different reels, educational videos for a variety of different subjects. Um, so the subjects obviously like your, your art and things like Mandarin and Welsh, but there's literally nothing for mental health. Um, so my argument would be, if we're not doing like training on type of like resilience and like toxic stress, and being, looking at the two different types of stress and getting children to cope, cope with all these feelings. How, if you haven't got any of that, how are you able to, to learn and progress and mm -hmm. to, before doing anything academic really? If, if you look at like exam situations, like the case of two stats, for example, a lot of the children feel so much pressure that they're, they're underperforming and they don't do well. And there's no support in terms of mental health or you know like opportunities to talk and there's no resources for mental health which is such a it's, a, it's a, such, a, such a massive un, underlying issue um so we've been saying now since covid like the mental health of our children have, has suffered massively yet we haven't got any resources or anything out there to help so sort of like we're asking them to apply their their understanding of their knowledge so we're kind of saying right we need you to stay calm we need to focus but if we put that in a maths context, we're asking them to use their times tables, but we haven't taught them their times tables. Yeah. We're asking them to be resilient and be calm, but we've not taught them to well, be calm it. and be resilient. Um, well, I, haven't, I haven't taught the, the children about, about stress, um, resilience. Um, like, yeah, like, like, you, like you say, having how to deal with like, anxiety as well. From a, a TikTok point of view, I've seen your advice to parents and advice to teachers. And one of the things that really struck me, one of the ones I really liked was about shouting and you just saying, yes. uh, listen, shouting doesn't work. 
it doesn't, doesn't help the situation. What, what are your, what's your key bits of advice? If we go to teachers first, mainstream teachers, what, what would your key bits of advice be? Shouting doesn't work. No. Building relationships? Building relationships is the fundamental of managing behaviour. If you've got a strong relationship with that child, behaviour is, is going to be better. That's, there's, there's research and there's so much evidence that supports that. A, a positive, positive relationship is going to create a safer, secure environment. It's going to lead to more progress, both holistically inside the child, but also academically as well in terms of getting those steps of progress that, that you need. And that's built not just by giving the child everything they want. It's about boundaries and respect and expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, been firm, firm but fair, but also being nurturing and empathetic. There's not always um, a, a rush or a focus to, to have an EACP, but ADHD children could be struggling to perform academically, but also could be very high performers academically. Yeah. What would your advice be from a parent talking to the school? Um, how would they, how is best to communicate? I would, their I would just be openly honest and just, just kind of list all the things that the child's struggling with and, and kind of say, yeah, kind of see if you can relate, relate that to school. Um, and I imagine the school is probably doing things for this child that they don't do for every other child. Yeah. For some, and they're not huge things, but they'll yeah. be little things and they're yeah, worth it, it, it's, it's The communications, obviously, is, is vital. Um, having that communication from, from school or home. And oft, often that communication can, can be a bit distant. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really fortunate to have a link worker who provides us a link between home and school. And the AHC process is such a, such a long process. And, and you go through that with the, the Special Educational Needs Coordinator at school, yeah. the SENCO. But then if this does develop and there might be an ASD diagnosis or something like that, there can be 60 plus week waiting times. So is your advice that we need to do all we can at home first and then the diagnosis doesn't solve anything? It just might bring extra advice and extra help at school? Yeah, well, the, the diagnosis can, can come with medication attached, which, which obviously may help. I've seen medication change kids' lives. That's when I, when I, when I first, first started, um, like, like back in like 2013, 14, ADHD was still kind of seen as a little bit of a myth then mm. um, and it's just like oh it's just kind of it's just like bad bad parent and all bad behavior um, it, it wasn't until this is me being naive as like a first year teacher it wasn't until i had a child with adhd coming on medicaid that i was just like wow okay this lad is like off the walls mm -hmm. um, amazing um, but it's like yeah i'm really struggling to manage him manage him without his medication and that's when i've, I've seen it and Obviously, you, it's the medic medication is helping increase levels of dopamine and stuff. And medication can can change a child's life. I have seen it. Mm. Medication isn't the the solution to everyone. Mm. Um, I've, if if I get diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, I've I probably won't take medication. But mm. I'll be I'll be explaining on how I've been able to manage and what what I use and hyper focus and the benefits of like exercise and cold water therapy and mm. other things that I've been, been trying. Um, so, yeah. And sometimes it's naturally producing things that are in the medication, things like melatonin to help with like sleep cycles yeah. and like you say, dopamine. Yeah. Are there some children who have ended up in your provision who have suffered from their time in mainstream? Yeah, you, I could, you, you could say that. Um, mainstream pra practitioners do a fantastic job. We obviously having a class of 30, 30 plus children by yourself is a, it's a different different type of challenge, um, but that there there are things that could be changed in mainstream education or to be more inclusive, um, for example, just shouting, um, we're, we're trained not not to shout basically, you can raise, raise your voice slightly but it will never go to like never go to that the number five voice that is, is what they've kind of called it in in, in mainstream. So, because shouting, shouting with an ADHD child or a child who's been through trauma can actually create secondary trauma. It can bring back all these these feelings of emotion and rejectment and isolation, and it's can yeah it can actually have a, a negative impact on mental mm. health, um, and it won't modify behaviour positively. So it'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't use shouting at all. And we're talking about children in 
early years in primary and in secondary here, these are kind of a, across the board advice. Yeah, we, we, we teach our children the importance of personal space and intimate space and how you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't invade someone's personal space. But there's examples of mainstream practitioners going back to, to, to my experience mm -hmm. as, as a child. It's the main thing I can relate to where I've had teachers right up into my face, mm. like not in personal space, but personal space is from your, your arm to your tip of your finger, mm -hmm. intimate space is from your shoulder to your elbow. So I've had teachers that have been in intimate space who shouldn't be there, like full on, full mm -hmm. on shouting. Um, and that, that gave me like kind of a sense of fear as, as a child and, and you kind, you kind of create this relationship in the classroom out of fear mm -hmm. rather than support and love and love, care. Really, love mm -hmm. and care really which is where we've kind of evolved into but it was a, there's, there's still that kind of element of fear in mainstream there is and in some behavior policies there is a part where if a child doesn't behave in the expected manner then they are just removed and they have to sit on their own in isolation how would an adhd child cope with that or, or wouldn't they cope <laughs> Yeah, so we, we don't use isolation at all. Um, you, secondary is a good example of still having a lot of isolation booths. Um, so you literally go and, you can go into a room, be, be left for an extended amount of time. That's actually shown to have a negative impact on mental health. So we would never use isolation as, as a punishment. We would never, we would never use, use punishment. You have consequences for your actions, but that's, that's different to punishment. So you're just you to punish a child through isolation um, is something that needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. But it's you, you do get these these cases where it's still happening today. Um, a lot of my followers on socials have, have said this is this is still happening today. I've done a little quote on why um, isolation has proven to be negative for mental health. I got various comments saying, "Oh, this still happens to my my child, this child, mm -hmm. this child, that child." I'm thinking. Is, is, why is education not not evolving and changing from this? Like isolation has proven not to work. Yeah, we're still doing it. Yeah, seems. So if if for me, if I'm if I'm teach, teaching a concept and it's not working, would I keep teaching it and teaching it and teaching it, mm. or would I differentiate and have the ability to change, to change it? I'll, I'll get pulled in that lesson if I didn't change something mm. that wasn't working. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's like the definition of insanity, isn't it? To, yeah. to keep doing the same yeah, thing we're, and expect we're, a different outcome. Yeah, we're, mm -hmm. we're, still, we're still using detentions in isolation where they're proven not to work. So but, detentions as well. So isolation being removed and, and placed yeah. on your own, detention being asked to come back at a later date, maybe a lunchtime or after school. Yeah. To, in some schools I see it where it's almost, we're just going to waste your time. You're going to sit here for an hour and do a, a meaningless task. Sometimes I've seen it where like the work is expected to be done, but that doesn't often work because the person holding the detention isn't the teacher from the class that they've been removed from. And sometimes the, I've seen where the children have to come back and they learn about why they're in the detention and maybe like regulating their feelings and the detentions are taken by trained adults. So I, it's probably not called detentions, but is that a better use of time, do you think? Or have you got a different idea? We don't use detentions altogether. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're proven not to modify behavior possibly in, in any way. We, we do, we do like, repair and reflect exercises and we'll, we'll look at like post-incident and then post-behavior, like what you could have done differently. But the example, like, the detentions have got a point where you'll have a, a child sat in detention for an hour because they forgot like an item of school clothing, like a tie. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get past all that um, and actually focus on what is what is the the non-safest behavior so why why is this person in detention we don't question that mm. like why why is this person forgot forgotten a tie does does that do they have a tie mm. so it's 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 things 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 like that as the brother through through the tie out you know like uh, mm. the car window coming in or you know what what is the what is the the root cause of that behavior mm. um but the, I see it at primary sometimes with PE that the child's not brought their PE kit and maybe the school policy is that they don't do PE. And I think if this child's five years old, they're yeah, not in a place where they can wash their PE kit or pack it in a bag. You know, there's some level of responsibility there that, to work with, but it's not the child's fault. It's the same with lateness and attendance. That's huge on the agenda at the moment. Yeah. Like, is it the, the four-year-old or five-year-old's fault if they're late? 
Yeah, so we, we have a non-uniform policy. Mm-hmm. So the children just come in what they're wearing, whatever they're comfortable. What, what would your advice be to your younger self? You've been teaching for a few years now. Um, if you looked back, would it be to, to read more around a certain thing or, or educate yourself further in this or just have a different approach? What would your key advice be? It would be definitely would be to explore the pace approach earlier in my career. Um, so that's obviously playfulness, acceptance, curiosity, and empathy, which is a, um, an approach made by Dan Hughes, which looks at um, behaviour and mental, mental health in a different way. So prior to that, I was using quite an assertive approach, um, like firm but fair, mm-hmm. um, with kind of like two choice ultimatums, right? Do, you need to do, do this and then do that. So it's, it was quite, and we were all kind of trained this way. And as, as, a, as a result, like our physical incidents kind of rocketed. And then a few years ago, when we was trying to adopt the, the, the Dan Hughes pace approach, we noticed a massive decline in restraints. Um, we were just able to kind of relate to the children on a more individual level and understand the child more rather than just kind of dealing to surface behaviour. So like if, a, if, a, if a child came out of the classroom and kicked a door, we would immediately put like hands on to kind of prevent damage. Yeah. Whereas now we'll be like, Come here, like, come, come, come sit down. We'll have a, have a chat about it, and we can de- de-escalate that without the, the without the physical intervention need. So it would be to to explore that approach earlier in my career, because mm-hmm. I think it would have helped those children out more back then. Thank you very much. Thank you for for joining me today. It's been Thank so you. interesting to talk to you and hear about your experiences in so many different ways. Um, yeah, just just really exciting to hear hear about it, and I'm sure you're going to get uh, lots of people asking you questions and and wanting to know more from you. And the BBC stuff sounds great, the DFE stuff sounds fantastic. So looking forward to hearing more from you Thanks in the future. For 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 really enjoyed it. <laughs> but I'll say that bit again. <laughs> Thank you. Which of Jamie's techniques will you try and what works with your SEND children? Let us know by emailing podcast at whiterosemaths.com or on any of our social media channels. We read and reply to each one and would love to draw upon your thoughts in future episodes.